Grace and peace to you from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, do you believe in resurrection? Really, do you? It may seem to be a strange question to ask of confessional Lutherans, but belonging to a church that teaches resurrection doesn't necessarily mean that you individually believe it or believe it in the way the Holy Spirit intends, in, in a way that means something for your life. The atheist or materialist skeptic would likely agree that believing in resurrection means something, means you are a fool, because such a belief, they would say, is ridiculous. The whole idea that a, a dead person, a corpse, could rise to live again, body and soul, even after years and years of decay, is contrary to science, logic, and experience. It's preposterous. But not every disbeliever speaks so dismissively of resurrection. Within the, the broader bounds of the Christian church are, are plenty of people who might describe themselves as more enlightened Christians, who recognize the importance of resurrection to the, the history of the faith, but who do not hold to it themselves. Or perhaps they would say, we believe in a resurrection, but only a resurrection of the spirit, but not the body. If asked, they might say something like, well, sure, belief in bodily resurrection was an essential part of what the church believed for centuries, and we should probably honor that, but, but we're smarter and better informed than that now. It, it may be fine for some less educated Christians, but, but we just don't need a faith like that anymore. Yet it is not only liberal theologians and their followers in the church today who, who fail really to believe in resurrection. There are also plenty of deceived, misled, or distracted Christians in our world who, if asked whether they believe that Christ's people will physically rise from the dead and live again, might say something like, well, yeah, Sure, I, I guess uh, that's what Christians are, are supposed to believe. I, I mean, I'm pretty sure that Jesus definitely rose from the dead. That's what Easter is about, right? But I, I don't really think much about resurrection, and it really doesn't affect anything in my life. The whole idea seems kind of old-fashioned, and I'm not really sure it makes a difference whether I believe it or not. And when we consider their attitudes toward life and death, toward the body and the spirit, and their daily approach to things that deal with any of those, we would probably agree. The belief in Christ's or their own resurrection appears to really make little difference. So what difference does believing or not believing in the resurrection from the dead make? Let's read again our second lesson today, 1 Corinthians 15, 12, and 16 to 20, and see what the Apostle Paul has to say about it. 
Now, if it is preached that Christ has been raised from the dead, how is it that some among you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? For if the dead are not raised, not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile. You are still in your sins. Then it also follows that those who fell asleep in Christ perished. If our hope in Christ applies only to this life, we are the most pitiful people of all. But in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. So all those ideas, those points of view mentioned earlier, whether outright rejection of resurrection or or more modern disbelief or just dismissal of it as, as, as irrelevant, they simply cannot stand. As Paul states so starkly, a faith that does not hold on to the fact of rising from the dead is a futile faith. It has no point or purpose. Yet we also want to remember that our faith is not blind, as some think. Accepting and trusting what the gospel tells us, including Christ's resurrection and the promise of our own, is not a case of simply closing our eyes, ignoring reality, and ginning up some kind of confidence in something we know cannot be true. It's quite the opposite, in fact. Yes, when we affirm that God's people rise from the dead to eternal life, we are trusting what we do not see, but we are trusting real evidence of real facts and real testimony. If anyone were to insist that we should only trust things which we ourselves could see and perceive now in the present, well, then that person would pretty much have to reject all knowledge of the past and all knowledge from the past, from the existence of George Washington to the observations of Isaac Newton. We don't believe in Jesus and his death and resurrection because we have set aside our reason, but because we have all sorts of reasons to affirm that those things are true. Earlier in in chapter 15 of 1 Corinthians, Paul laid it out, For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the Scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas, that is Peter, and then to the twelve. After that, he appeared to over 500 brothers at the same time, most of whom are still alive, but some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles. Last of all, he appeared also to me. The teaching that Jesus had risen from the dead just three days after his crucifixion was well attested to at the very beginning. And it was essential to the preaching of Christianity from the very start. And from the very start, that preaching had opponents and enemies. We read about them all through the book of Acts. The easiest thing to do to completely discredit the Christian message and stop the church from growing would have been to present evidence that Jesus was in fact still dead. But neither the faith's Jewish or Roman opponents ever 
did so because they could not. Christ's body was not in the tomb anymore, nor was it any place on the earth. He rose from the dead, as more than 500 people could testify. And he never died again because he ascended body and soul into heaven after 40 days. The false teachers and confused people that Paul was addressing in 1 Corinthians 15 seemed to recognize that that Christ's resurrection was an essential part of the gospel message. But somehow they still maintained the enlightened opinion that a physical rising from the dead was just not something that happened, at least not for regular people. It simply was contrary to reason and human experience and to the extent that that they were influenced by, by pagan Greek philosophy. It was not something that they felt Christians should even desire or look for or expect because in their view, the soul was all that mattered and the body was something we should be eager to separate ourselves from and leave behind as as something corrupt, something undesirable. This was not just a mistaken view. It was a deadly error. Views like it today are just as dangerous. Because, Paul points out, if it really is the case that the dead are not raised bodily to life, then it cannot be that Jesus was raised bodily to life. And if Jesus did not rise, he failed in his mission. An unrisen Christ would not have conquered death. An unrisen Christ would not have fulfilled everything the Scriptures said about him, or even his own word about what would happen. An unrisen Christ would have nothing to offer those who follow him because his work of redemption would have been incomplete, a failure. So there would be no forgiveness of sins, no deliverance from evil, no peace with God, and no eternal life in heaven with him. But Jesus Christ did rise from the dead on the third day, as many eyewitnesses testified. And since he rose, we also will rise with our bodies as he did, because that is what he said and promised. And the word of a Savior who has risen from the dead, contrary to reason and human experience, is something to be trusted. This is not just a minor point of doctrine, something that can be overlooked or devalued. And the resurrection is most certainly not just some kind of theological relic of the past that we give honor to in our creeds and maybe once a year at Easter. It is vital and essential to Christian faith. There really is no gospel without the resurrection, no true hope without the resurrection. We would still be in our sins we would still be under Satan's thumb. We would live lives that are are brutish, nasty, and short, subject to all sorts of pain and evil. And that would be that. We would have no joy, only woe. 
We would have nothing to look forward to beyond this life, no expectation of perfection or or paradise, and no good answer for anyone who asks, is this all there is? All we would have without the resurrection would be a solid claim for the pity of all who see us because we would be believing and committing our lives to something no bigger or better than our miserable lives. It would be foolish to have such a faith. Yet many who claim the name Christian do, formally or functionally. And this is the real foolishness, and those are the people who really are the most pitiful of all. Some actually say, no, I don't believe in a physical resurrection. But probably more common are those who have de-emphasized or devalued it to such an extent that it, it plays no real low role in their faith. The approach of far too many is, is to take a kind of keep the gospel's good stuff, but discard whatever's too hard to believe or uncomfortable to hold on to approach. And what they end up with is a, a Christianish kind of Franken-faith that that sews together the things they like from Jesus, philosophy, and probably their favorite memes or bumper stickers, but denies what is essential to Christian and saving faith, like the resurrection. And the result is that they get the best of they, they do not get the best of everything as they think they are doing, but instead end up with nothing. No salvation, no hope, no heaven, only hell. And that is not what God wants for anyone. That is why He sent His Son to save us, to live perfectly in our place, to suffer and die in our place, and to rise again to life, to secure our place with Him in paradise. We do not deserve any of it. We are the grossest of sinners, and without His grace and mercy, we would all suffer the death and damnation that our sins have earned us. Because... Jesus Christ took on our sins and paid for them by pouring out His blood and life on the cross. And because after making that payment, His Father raised Him from the dead to show that that had been accepted. Because of all that, our guilt is gone. Our holy, His holiness is our own and heaven is our home. And our eternity with Him will not be solely floating around as spirits in the clouds. On the last day, we will be raised, all of us, with our bodies, just as Jesus was raised with His. We will live with Him in the new heavens and new earth that will be our perfect, pain-free, permanent. So yes, Jesus really did rise from the dead. We really will rise like Him, and resurrection really matters. Believing it is essentially important for your faith, your life, your hope, even for your world. And not just once in a while or for the end of your days, but for all time and every day. Consider how this confidence that God is planning to raise and perfect your body affects your thinking about your funeral or that of a loved one you might have to plan. 
Do you adopt the attitudes of the world and treat the lifeless body as nothing but a a shell or a husk that is no longer of need or value or significance, something just to be disposed of? Or do you instead view it as God tells us it is, a part of who you are, temporarily separated from your soul, but waiting patiently until the last day when you will be reunited body and soul and perfected. Also then, waiting in that way for the resurrection as a testimony to the world of our confidence in Christ that He will raise us again. Or consider how trusting in the resurrection influences your stewardship of your body, your flesh and blood. This flesh is not just something to be used, used up and thrown away, but it is precious. It was bought and paid for with Christ's own blood. It is as much you as your soul is. So we will treat it with with care and concern, keeping it as healthy as we can, knowing that, that even with its imperfections, it is something so valuable that Jesus plans to come and reclaim it, even from the grave. The resurrection gives those who trust in it hope, not just for this life, but for what lies beyond, which means that we can endure whatever trials and troubles and and traumas we face while in the body, because we are confident that those trials and troubles and traumas will not conquer us, But we will conquer them when Christ comes and raises us up to take us home. Resurrection gives us a perspective on everything in our lives, helping us to see what really matters in the long run and what does not. Resurrection is what enables us to speak of death as sleep in Christ, as Paul does here. Because we have an Easter-guaranteed certainty that all who trust in Jesus and His work will wake up from death to a glorious dawn of eternal life in the new Jerusalem. And understanding how God values the body that is joined with the soul informs our attitudes towards so many things like abortion and assisted suicide and euthanasia, being so heavenly-minded, is of great earthly good, not only for us, but for the world we live in. So yes, you really believe in resurrection. It is vital and essential to your faith, and it fills you with both hope and joy for this life and for the next. Jesus Christ, your Good Shepherd and Savior, went through death and the grave for us and before us and came out the other side alive in His flesh as the first in a harvest of those who have fallen asleep. And as He lives, so we will live eternally beside Him. The resurrection of the dead is so much more than a line in the creed. It is our life in Christ. Alleluia. Amen. Please rise.
Now may the God of hope fill you with complete joy and peace as you continue to believe, so that you overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen.